Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Genesis. Tonight is study number 13 of Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verse 15. And Jehovah God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Now we've been going along studying the Garden of Eden, and we've already spent some time discussing how the Garden of Eden is a representation of the kingdom of God. And Adam is in his formation from the dust of the ground, where he was declared to be the Son of God. Remember, we looked at the genealogy in the New Testament, which went all the way to Adam after saying the Son of, the Son of, the Son of, of all the various generations to the first man, Adam, and then it said, who was the Son of God. And we also saw that it said in the book of Genesis, Genesis 5, verse 2, Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And that phrase, called their name, is Kereshem, and it is a signpost, an indicator of an immediate father-son relationship. God called their name Adam in the day they were created. And so Adam was the immediate son of God. He became the son of God when he was formed from the dust of the ground. And dust in the Bible, when we die, we go to dust. So it was a picture of Christ coming from death and being declared the Son of God. As Romans chapter 1 tells us, that Jesus was declared the Son through the resurrection of the dead. And other verses confirm that, that he was the firstborn from the dead, the first begotten Son of God from the dead. God counted that as a sort of a beginning for Christ, and he became the Son of God, just as Adam, formed from the dust of the ground, was called the Son of God. So Adam is a big type of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's why Romans tells us that he was the figure of him that was to come, the Lord Jesus. And here, where Jehovah God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden. God took Adam, the man. And sometimes in the Bible, God does not specifically address the Savior, the Messiah, by name, but refers to him as a man. For instance, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept, for since by man came death, that is, the original man, Adam, the earthly man, for by man came death. Then it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 21, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. There God calls the Lord Jesus man. He said, by man came death, 
by man came also the resurrection of the dead. And that can only be Jesus, that through Jesus came the resurrection. And so there's other scriptures too where God speaks of Christ and identifies him as the man or a man. So Jehovah God took the man and in the first instance spiritually, this would point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, historically, it was the man Adam, the earthly creature, but spiritually, it points to the Lord Jesus, and Jehovah God put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So we know, again, historically, God selected an area, and he said, this is the Garden of Eden, This is the area that I will put the man in. And he wanted the man to till the ground. It said back in verse 5, there was not a man to till the ground. And the word, the Hebrew word translated as dress in our verse here in verse 15 is the same Hebrew word translated as till back in verse 5. And it's Strong's number 5647 in the Hebrew. And so it means the very same thing. So God took Adam placed him in this area he called the Garden of Eden to till the ground, to dress it, to keep it, to maintain the garden. And that garden represented or typified the kingdom of God. So spiritually, the picture is the garden is the kingdom of God. The man is the Lord Jesus Christ. In the first instance, it can also have application to the body of Christ, the body of believers, the whole company of the elect, who also maintain or are involved in the upkeep, the tilling of the ground, and the keeping of it in the kingdom of heaven, in the kingdom of God, insofar as the outward representations of the kingdom, Israel and the church, and also individually. The people of God have a role in their own lives that has certain impact with the overall kingdom, as each one of us are a building stone, a living stone in the house of God, or we're a part of the overall kingdom of heaven. So Jehovah took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it. Let's take a closer look at the word dress. As I mentioned, it's the same word as till. And it's also translated as labor in Exodus 20, verse 9, in the Ten Commandments. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. And the word labor is a translation of the same word, till or dress it. And that's what tilling the ground or dressing the garden would be. It would be labor. It would be work. And also, this same Hebrew word, 5647, is found in verse 5 of Exodus 20. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Referring to other gods, the word serve. And this word is often translated as serve, serving God, or those that serve Baal or false gods. It has that idea. And that's because spiritually, the Lord Jesus is the Son of God, who is involved in keeping or serving the kingdom of heaven, the Garden of Eden, in doing the will of the Father, and so forth. In Ezekiel chapter 36, we have the same word, and I'll read verses 8 through 11 in Ezekiel 36. But ye, O mountains of Israel, 
He shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. For, behold, I am for you, and I will turn unto you. Ye shall be tilled and sown. And the word tilled is that same word. And I will multiply men upon you, all the house of Israel, even all of it, and the city shall be inhabited, and the waste shall be builded. And I will multiply upon you man and beast, and they shall increase and bring fruit. And I will settle you if your old estates, and will do better unto you than at your beginnings, and you shall know that I am Jehovah. And I wanted to read that because here God is speaking of tilling the mountains of Israel. And, and of course, this is an obvious spiritual picture and the fruit will come forth to the people of Israel. This would be the spiritual Israel of God and being fruitful identifies with salvation, with the elect coming in. And so God is telling the mountains of Israel they will be tilled. And the mountains of Israel would be, mountains in the Bible represent kingdoms. The mountain of Israel, the kingdom of God. So it's a direct parallel to the Garden of Eden, which spiritually identifies with the kingdom of God. And the man is put into the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God, to till it. Just as God here is speaking of the kingdom of God, the mountains of Israel, and he says that she shall be tilled and sown and fruit will come forth. And that's the whole idea behind dressing the garden. It'll be fruitful. The flowers will flower. The fruit trees will bring forth their fruit because you're dressing it and keeping it. Also, this word is found in Zechariah chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. But he shall say, I am no prophet. I am a husbandman, for man taught me to keep cattle from my youth. The word husbandman is the same Hebrew word as till or dress. And so really, we could read this. He shall say, I am no prophet. I am a dresser or a tiller. And that would be the same as Cain. Remember in Genesis 4, God identified their occupations. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. That's the same word. And here in Zechariah 13:5, this is the Lord Jesus speaking in verse 5. I am a tiller, a husbandman. And we know it's Jesus because of the next verse. In verse 6, and one shall say unto him, what are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in a house of my friends. And that's a reference to the nails that went into the Lord Jesus Christ's hands as he was nailed to the cross. So Jesus the Lord is a tiller. I am a tiller. And so that agrees with our spiritual understanding that we mentioned just a little while ago that the man is a picture of Christ, and he's put into the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of God, to till it, because he's a tiller. He is going to do all the necessary work. Of course, that work was actually performed and completed at the foundation of the world, and in performing that work, 
Christ has tilled the Garden of Eden. He has done all the work. The works were finished from the foundation of the world that the kingdom of heaven required. And so he is the man to dress the garden. Now, just one more place going back to Ezekiel 36, a little further on in that same chapter, beginning in verse 33. Thus saith the Lord Jehovah, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled. There's our word. Whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. So here God is tying together being cleansed from iniquity or having your sins forgiven. And that is related to dwelling in cities and the waste, the waste places being built. And then he adds to that idea in verse 34, the desolate land shall be tilled. Because you now have a man to till the ground, to dress it, and that leads to growth, to fruitfulness. Notice it goes on to say in verse 34, Whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by, and then verse 35, And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. So the Lord is further tying it to the Garden of Eden. Because when the waste land, and God tells us in other places that he opens rivers of waters and the streams go into the wilderness, into the desolate areas, and vegetation comes forth. And so that's the whole picture of the gospel. We saw also in Genesis 2 with the four heads of the river going out into the world, into Babylon and into Egypt and into Assyria. And then the land becomes the Garden of Eden because the gospel waters have brought forth life. Wherever the water flows, as it said in Ezekiel 47, the waters that issued forth from the house Wherever the waters flowed, they brought life, the life that the gospel brings of salvation. And so God saved his elect. And when that happens spiritually, the land that was desolate becomes like the Garden of Eden. It's a reversal. In the world, physically, the world was the Garden of Eden. Everything was good and perfect. Then sin destroyed the garden. The earth as the curse came upon it. And so we have briars and thorns and diseases and hurricanes and earthquakes and everything else. Sin has wrought in the world. But God's salvation plan reverses that, restores man's soul, and restores spiritually the Garden of Eden, the kingdom of heaven, which the people of God enter into at the point of salvation, at the moment of salvation, Outward representations of that, Israel of old, the New Testament corporate church, they can identify with that picture of the garden until they no longer are able to keep it. And that's where the second word keep comes in. 
If we go back to Genesis 2, verse 15, Jehovah God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So Christ, we see how he tills the garden and he turns the desolate land into a fruitful place. And it's a beautiful thing, but also the man keeps it. And here the Lord Jesus did that perfectly. He was perfectly obedient to everything the Father commanded him, to all the word of God. He did not let anything fail. He fulfilled all righteousness. We know that he was without sin on any point of the law of God. And God's people also are able to keep the law inwardly with the new heart and spirit God has given them. But here's where the problem comes in. With the outward representation of the kingdom of God, God instructs them to keep his law, to maintain obedience to the law of God. This will keep the garden outwardly, or Israel will continue to be used of God as long as they are faithful in keeping the law in obeying the word of God. The word keep, if you look it up, is again and again identified with keeping God's commandments. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 2, it says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Jehovah your God which I command you. In Deuteronomy 6, verse 2, and this will be the only other verse I give, but there's many like this, that thou mightest fear Jehovah thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. So God commanded Israel, keep my commandments. He said there's blessings if you keep them, and then he warned there's curses if you fail to keep them. And then God graciously, kindly, again and again, gave Israel opportunity after opportunity. But of course, it all had to fit into God's overall timetable for Israel. And then finally, at the suitable time, God rents the veil of the temple and Israel ceases to be the people of God, and then the Lord establishes the New Testament representation of his kingdom, the corporate church, and again he gives them time and space, 1955 years, to repent and to turn to their first love to keep the commandments of God. They are required. They are the professed body of Christ, and remember, the man put into the Garden of Eden, in the first instance, is Jesus. But secondly, spiritually, it can apply to the body of Christ. And the church is the professed body of Christ. They say they're his. All right, then keep the garden. Keep maintenance. And the way to do that is to keep God's commandments. This will keep that outward kingdom of God on earth continuing on and God's spirit will remain and God will not drive out the man from the garden. But they fail to faithfully obey and fail to hearken to the word of God and therefore God comes to visit in judgment 
and he finds they have not been upkeeping the garden. They have not been doing the role that they were designed to do to keep the garden, to maintain order and degree of faithfulness to the word of God in order that that outward representation of God's kingdom be an accurate reflection of God and the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, now God has found sin, just as he found sin in Adam and Eve and It's time to destroy the garden. He brings a curse upon it, and he drives out the man, and therefore there is no more ambassador in that sense of a corporate body or an entity now representing God or his kingdom to the people of the earth. And that's the picture here that we have. But for a time, as long as it was within God's overall allowance, his timetable before he comes to visit, the man within the church was obligated to keep it, and yet he failed at that task. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.